And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. And I have our quote for today. So I'm going to start us off. This is a quote from the author Anais Nin. And it says, Our life is composed greatly of our dreams from the unconscious. And they must be brought into connection with action. They must be woven together. And so I chose that quote today um, just to give a little background before I kind of get your thoughts on it. I, I chose that quote because I think that um, as I've began practicing mindfulness, I've realized that there's a way to be more in flow with everything around me. And so as I've been kind of learning that, I've realized that there are times where I kind of worked, work against myself and, and set goals or intentions that aren't really kind of in line. Um, and, and when that happens, I find myself fatigued. I find myself kind of working against the grain. And so um, thinking about the fact that the first day of spring was two days ago, and this is a time um, of new beginnings. This is a time where there's more fertility in nature. Um, we're seeing uh, we have longer days. We sprang forward over the weekend. And so there's more time to do things. And I'm, I'm feeling it in myself. And I'm feeling this energy. And um, with that energy, wanting to kind of find a way to mindfully use that or to use my mindfulness practice to kind of turn that into um, – into effective action in my life to create change. And so that quote really stuck out to me, just kind of thinking about I'm someone that tends to spend a lot of time thinking about things and, and dreaming about things and spend a lot of time, time in my head. And so when I read that, that quote where it says, our life is greatly composed of those dreams, so those dreams are important, but our action is... Um, equally as important and needs to, to be brought into connection. I really like that. So I wanted to just kind of get your thoughts on, on the quote. Yeah, I think my big takeaway from it is this idea of balance. Mm -hmm. um, and within mindfulness, you often hear um, talk of finding peace or enlightenment or these kind of um, goal places that people want to get to um mm -hmm. and it's often interesting because when i ask people what they think those terms mean or what what they're they're trying to move towards um mm -hmm. it's often not it it's uh, i don't i don't i want to say this mindfully um mm -hmm. it's it's not they're not being mindful in the way they're trying to approach it. So in finding balance, um, it's not, I think when you hear that within the, a lot of people, when they hear that within mindfulness or yoga or meditation, they're thinking of this calmness of this peacefulness. And that's not always what balance is. Um, to me, mindfulness is all about finding balance, but if you have a point and you have um, something balancing on that point, um, it's not always about being in the middle to find that balance. Sometimes there's um, something heavier on one side and you have to run to the other side to balance it out. And then that side that you're on becomes heavier and you have to run to the other side. So I think yeah. that's, that's kind of what I think the quote 
is saying to me is that that's the action part of mindfulness is really finding that balance. And the first step to that is asking yourself, what is balance? Because nature is, is very chaotic. And in the way we think of this balance as being kind of the serene thing normally doesn't exist because that's not actually the true nature of balance. Right. Yeah. I actually really love that you, that you bring that up and talking about, about, about the true nature of balance. Cause it makes me think about um, a, an image that I oftentimes will, will call up for my clients and talking about balance is that it's really like being on a tightrope. And when you're on a tightrope, there isn't, you know, this, um, I actually get up and kind of do it, but I, I can't do it in the room, but there isn't this like in t- exact amount of speed that you're going to use to get across the tightrope. You kind of have to decide what is happening and, and always adjust depending on where you are in space and, and basing that on, you know, your own internal sense of balance. But also, you know, if a gust of wind were to come by, you may have to kind of adjust. And so balance is, is about, knowing where to adjust and knowing where to shift your focus to kind of continually, I think, keep yourself in, in that place of flow. And, and, and I like that, that you talk about that because I think for me, it, it's an important reminder um, of when it's important to focus and, and, and when it's important to really kind of um, focus a lot of my attention in one area in order to create something. Um, that's kind of, of what I'm thinking about right now and, and working on. And so just thinking about how to bring something new into the world. And I think that, you know, recognizing any new thing that I've done or any big project at some point, I've had to put an intense amount of, of focused and energy. So like you said, it's not this like serene, like, Oh, I'm just feeling so peaceful. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm feeling, um, I don't know if the word is pressure. I don't think it's exactly pressure, but urgency um, to intensely focus my energy in one area at a time. But I also think that keeping that balance of recognizing that that doesn't mean neglecting everything else and that doesn't mean um, losing balance in other areas, but that at times you do have to shift your focus and pour more into into one area or another in your life. And that's actually more of what fits with nature, with nature um, and just kind of the natural flow of the world that there are times where we're, we're meant to be more active and, and, and put more energy towards things and times when we're meant to kind of rest. And, and, and then there's also just that things are constantly moving. And so we have to be able to adjust as we go. And I think that's really what mindfulness has kind of helped teach me is that it's constantly an adjustment process and, and, using mindfulness as a tool to know what to adjust. You know, that's one thing like I, when I've been away from meditating for a while, I realized that some of it is avoidance of having to do the things that come up (laughs) as areas that I need to put more attention to in my life. It's like, Oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to write more. I just want to watch more Netflix. So, you know, and that's kind of the deeper level of avoidance that can happen. But continually recognizing that I need to go back to mindfulness. It, it teaches me where I need to adjust. Right. And I I think a big part of this is when talking about mindfulness and action is we're, we're doing a, a podcast, a talk show, and 
a lot of times when we talk about mindfulness, it's kind of like the concept of mindfulness. And I feel like a lot of people, especially in the Western world, get caught up in Mm -hmm. that discussion of the concept. When you look at mindfulness, the core of it has always been practice. Mindfulness isn't an idea. It's a, it's a practice. It's a, it's a type of meditation. That's what it really is. And then you have these moments of enlightenment um, from these practices. Mm -hmm. So I think that's always important to remember too, is is it's, it's great to be able to intellectualize um, all of this, but without the practice, there is no balance there. Right. Yeah. So, so thinking about the practice, cause I think the practice is definitely a core piece of, of, um, I mean, it's, it is, it is the, it is the practice. The practice is mindfulness and kind of recognizing that that's that core piece. But when you're consistently practicing mindfulness, what's the next step? How do you kind of turn that into action in your own life? The awareness that you gain from your mindfulness practice. Yeah. Um, I think actually what might be helpful is a, a big issue I see with a lot of people is uh, when they're, they're meditating or they have a very strong meditation practice and they've cultivated a strong mindfulness in the meditation, but they don't necessarily always then know how to translate it or to take it off the, the cushion. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was helpful for me is I think mindfulness in itself, when you're talking about mindfulness meditation is a very specific kind of meditation, but there's a whole bunch of different kinds of, of mm-hmm. meditation that may resonate with different people where they're at. Um, and I think that's important to explore because for me, I think I got lucky because I, I, I practice Zen, um, specifically Rinzai Zen, which is, um, it, it goes all the way back to what the, the samurai actually trained in. So it was a very kind of intense Mm -hmm. form of Zen. It was very opposite of kind of what most Americans think of this, like calm and serene type thing. It was very energetic and you get hit by bamboo sticks and it was just, it was a very aggressive type of of training, but it was a lot of sitting, but there was walking meditation. There were sword forms. There was breathing techniques. So are there all these other things they did? Um, calligraphy, all these other practices, um, that trained me to be able to move what I was doing while I was sitting, um, into my life. And I think that's the important part of it and it can be activism it can be politics but it could also be art it can be um, music and it can be writing it can it can be calligraphy it could be yeah anything it can be sweeping down the street i think that the the first step is that the first step is if you are just sitting to consciously pick something else where you're going to try to have that meditation practice while you're being active 
because then that slowly trains you to be able to bring that to everything you do in your life. And it can be as easy as sweeping or doing the dishes or eating breakfast, drinking tea. It can be anything, but it's about making that conscious choice to be mindful and bring that experience into what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that that that's a tool that can really, um, enhance the experience of mindfulness and kind of take the sitting meditation practice into everyday life. And I think it's something that can also, um, like you said, it's about training your, the brain, your mind to be able to concentrate and to be able to bring itself into that mindful place. And so if you can, um, find various different things that you can do to bring that into it, even if it's just taking a walk, you know, mindful walking, that was something that we did um, at the retreat that I went to over New Year's. And that was, you know, one of my favorite things. And in the past, I thought, okay, I'm going to take a mindful walk and kind of thought that, you know, just taking a walk and and thinking about things actually was, was, (laughs) was taking a mindful walk, but realizing that there's actually a practice of concentrating and, and using that to build up that muscle, um, of, of being able to, to use mindfulness. So I think that's really helpful. And, and what I find is that with each of us, there's things that we already do that can kind of bring us to that place that maybe we find we have some interest in, or we already kind of naturally, um, have an affinity towards or, or an interest in whether it's music, whether it's dance, whether, you know, um, computer programming, some people really, you know, get into that place with things like that. And so realizing that, you know, it's important to make time for those things. I think part of our culture is so focused on putting time towards things that make money. Um, And we're very, you know, um, focused in that way of it's not if it's not making you money, then it's a waste of time. And so realizing that we really have to shift our focus and recognizing that it's that putting energy and time towards things that, that build up that, that ability to practice mindfulness, but also just feel really good for our souls are actually um, going to help in the long run with our balance, with our ability to make money and all of those other things. And so I think um, finding a way to make a commitment to something that um, will help broaden your mindfulness practice, but also, um, something that that's just good for you, you know, that, that kind of can do both of those things and making a commitment to do that without guilt is important, you know, from a non-judgmental standpoint. Yeah. I think too, because our culture is very, um, I don't want to say anti-mindfulness, but it, it is a, huge obstacle to being mindful. Um, What I often recommend is to either when you're, when you're starting to try to transition that experience into your actual life, into action is to two things, ideally. Um, But one of these is, is really necessary. I think to, um, growth and development from the the people I've seen um, really engage in mindfulness. And that is having a a solitary activity that you can do yourself. Um, 
that's beyond just the meditation. So that could be painting, that can be writing, that could be hiking. Um, it, it could be anything, but that, that you have your own space so that you are still exploring, um, you, the depths of yourself, um, within it. And then I think the other important mm-hmm. aspect is to have, uh, a support system or a group of people who are all kind of going on the journey with you and they can all be at different levels, but I think finding a, a, a meditation center or, um, a, a Buddhist temple or just, um, they have meetups, um, meetup.com has meetups everywhere because what I see a lot of people struggle with is they'll be great when they're meditating and then they'll want to be an activist and go in a group. And it, it's, it's challenging because most people you're engaging with are an obstacle to your mindfulness. Um, and that's, that's a learning tool in and of itself. But if you don't yet have the discipline, um, that can be very, very overwhelming. And I'm not saying to, um, shelter yourself from everyone who's who's not being mindful or going down the journey because it's important to engage but i think it's important to have those safe spaces as well and i think the retreats are great and um some of them are super expensive but there's tons where you can just go to um a buddhist buddhist temple for a weekend and you can literally just help them garden and clean and it's it's free housing that's a big thing for me i really struggle with and it's a personal personal issue that i just have with people Mm -hmm. charging for mindfulness or for those kind of um retreats Uh, Mm. yeah it just for me there's something that's counter to the idea that you're you're charging and i understand you need space and it's like this is a suggested donation or whatever i'm all for that but the whole like we have specialty teachers and charging thousands of dollars um right. yeah it, it just doesn't it, it seems un, unmindful to to me at least yeah no i i definitely i i definitely um agree that there's you know there's charging for just the up you know just for the use of the facility and to get people there and and those types of things and then there's you know where you can just see that people are clearly trying to make a lot of money teaching things that, you know, I think um, oftentimes can not, I don't want to say come from a judgmental perspective and say should be given, but I think are often given freely um, mm. in certain settings. And so, yeah, if it's a retreat setting and there's, you know, clearly room and board and things like that, that makes sense. But um, you know, I, I, yeah. Yeah. And that's just also about, um, finding that balance and what uh, aligns with you. And it's a different, it's a, it's a different type of uh, experience. And it's going to be, if you're just going to uh, a Buddhist temple where it's monks and they're actually living um, very simply and don't have expectations of you, as opposed to if it's someone who yes practices but is then holding a retreat to make a profit it's just a it's a it's a different you're going to have a different experience yeah definitely definitely so kind of thinking about how we 
um, like, I think part of, part of what gets in the way of, or at least for me of kind of turning my mindfulness practice and the insights that I, that I gained from that into action is, um, feeling overwhelmed and kind of just feeling like wanting to do too much, being kind of distracted by a lot of things. I think that there's a lot of us that, that tend to kind of function in that way where there's a lot of things going on that we're interested in and things that we want to do. And so kind of just putting things off of, okay, you know, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do, you know, I'll do that next week and kind of putting things off and realizing that, you know, time passes pretty quickly and, and, um, and, and losing those opportunities. And so I think, um, one thing I'm wondering is, or one thing that I've found helpful for me is find is doing something that takes just a few minutes. Um, and that sounds, you know, I think initially when I would think about trying to do that to get things done, I would think, well, what am I going to get done in five to 10 minutes? Um, and you know, it's amazing what you can actually get done in five to 10 minutes. And so, um, I found that little things like that are effective because there's so many distractions and things kind of around to pull your attention that really sometimes it can be, it feels feasible to only be able to commit to five to 10 minutes to do something. But what I found is that when I actually focus and pour my attention into that one thing for a few minutes, either I get it done and it's complete or I want to continue to do it or I'm enjoying it. Or I just check off that five to 10 minutes of it if it's something that, you know, has to continue, you know, that, I, that is going to take longer than that. But either way, there's a sense of accomplishment in something that really takes like about as long as brushing your teeth and going to the restroom. Um, and so I'm wondering, have you been able to kind of use any techniques like that just to kind of take action in any areas of your life? Right. Yeah, I think... I think the the big thing is it's a, a perspective change, right? Mm -hmm. So we're in our culture, we're very used to kind of having a, a multitasking and having all these things and our focus kind of being in, in the past, the present and the future all at the same time. And we're kind of jumping from one place to the next. And that's pretty much what our entire culture kind of feeds us. And when you actually look at it, um, we, we, you can't do more than one thing at a time. Right. So with that anxiety and everything happens because you're not in balance and you're trying to do something that's not possible, as opposed to if you're doing what you say and you, and you do step by step and you're present in the things that you're doing step by step, then that, that worry and that anxiety kind of fades away because you're not you're you're present you're not thinking about those other things it reminds me of what we were talking about a, a few weeks ago with activism and people wanting to be involved politically mm -hmm. and uh, I, I talked about that i often recommend people pick kind of one cause to, to focus on and it's very hard for people because they want to focus on all these d different things and they they care about all these issues and they they can't pick and what i tell them is, well, if you never pick one, you're not, there's no action there. Mm -hmm. So you're doing nothing as opposed to if you pick one and that's what you spend your, your time on and you're, you're mindfully engaged in that one thing, you're actually going to achieve things and move forward. Right. Um, so I think right. that's, 
that's and it it could be it doesn't have to mean that that's your cause for the rest of your life. That can be right. something you do for a month, a week, a day, and then yeah. you move on to something else. But it's making that the decision to act is yeah. is the the impetus to act. If you don't make the decision to act, you're not going to act. Right, right. And and I like that you said that that it's not this lifelong commitment. I think that we're kind of taught to like weigh everything out and 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 think through every possibility, which we never know what's going to happen, but we we convince ourselves that we do and that we can kind of <laughs> figure out how we're going to feel about something or what an experience is going to be like before we get there. But, you know, in that amount of time, you could have gone and found that, oh, you know what, actually, this isn't really for me and moved on to something else and found something that was a good fit. I think that we... Um, we're just kind of conditioned to trick ourselves into thinking that we're, that we will figure something out and, and know what it's going to feel like and be like before we get there and kind of know whether it's going to be right for us or not. And we just, you know, can never, can never know that. And so realizing that just deciding to act and, and taking that, that step to shift your focus and shift your perspective just a little bit, you know, it's a, it's a small little shift, but just recognizing you know, that, that, that small shift actually opens up a world of, of possibility and of, of information for you as far as what is your space, what is the space where you can, you know, create some positive change and where you feel most effective. Um, yeah. I think, I, oh, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you. Okay. Um, I think in a, a very important part of this is, um, comfort versus discomfort and um one of the 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 earliest lessons i had when i started doing zen meditation um was we would have to sit in um burmese or any of the postures for a long time and it was um very strict so Mm -hmm. you could not move um and there'd be times where (laughs) your entire body would just be in so much pain that it would release and you wouldn't be able to feel it anymore. And you literally didn't know. Um, it, it felt like you wow. were dying. And I would see this over and over with new people of people just like losing it because they literally thought they lost sensation in their entire body and thought they had died. And it's a weird thing unless you've experienced it to uh-huh. think about, but that was their first lesson. And then their mindfulness practice um, started to get really deep after they, they fought through that. And I think that's a big struggle because we're conditioned to not be balanced. So the, so the reality is because of that, when we are in balance, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's what stops a, a lot of people and they don't, they don't realize it. It's, it's subconscious because it's something we've been conditioned to do, but we worry about all these different things and say, Oh, we want to have a plan and we want to, I would need to think about this and that and this because it stops us from acting and acting is uncomfortable. Scary. And, and it's, it's scary. So that's the thing to know. If you're feeling uncomfortable, it's probably because that's where you're supposed to be. If, if it's comfortable, it's probably something's probably off is mm-hmm. what I've experienced in life yes. in my mindfulness practice and in, in everything. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that we get comfortable in our when we're stuck, 
actually. You know, I think that the, the discomfort we feel when we're challenging ourselves, when we're, you know, nervous or excited about something, you know, sometimes when I have a big, um, like a, a talk coming up or something where I have to do some public speaking. And this is something that I actually really like to do. And I like to do public speaking, but inevitably I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh God, you know, and I just am nervous and, and feel this anxiety. But rather than framing that as anxiety, I also think, well, this could also be excitement and just recognizing that tiny little perspective shift. It It's amazing what a difference it does in how I feel and how I approach it when I'm you know, rather than thinking, oh, this is something that is pressure. No, this I'm feeling this way in my stomach because this is something I really like to do and I'm excited about it and this is an opportunity, you know, and, and with recognizing that, I think that in that shift in perspective, we're able to move through the things in our life with more courage and, 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 and with approaching things rather than avoiding because, you know, what I've come to find in my life is that those things that are important to me and that are anxiety provoking and those things that I can't get out of my head, those dreams, those ideas, the universe is pushing me towards it, whether I like it or not. And so it's kind of one of those things where if, you know, I can pay attention and allow myself to move towards these things in a mindful way, um, then I avoid kind of that kick in the ass that you might inevitably get when you kind of avoid something that really is, is in your heart to do. Right. And it, it all, Reminds me, and I mean, I still have these experiences regularly, and I've been meditating for over a decade. Um, but when I'm when I'm sitting and I'm doing a, a long sit, and sometimes it's a, a, a short sit, and my my legs will be falling asleep, or they they start to tingle, and I'm think I'm very distracted about whatever's going on in my life. I'm fi- finding it hard to really concentrate, focus on my breath, and I always have moments where I think, I mean, I could just get up you know there's nothing stopping me from getting up and what i have always done is i've always asked myself in that moment um to analyze the discomfort what is the discomfort why am i feeling uncomfortable am i in am i in pain is something wrong because if those are the cases then i do need to move because something's wrong or am i just uncomfortable because I, I don't want to sit anymore and it's not something I'm used to. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm just in my own head and all yeah, these things exactly. and the- pushing through those moments has been what has taught me the, the most out of, mm-hmm. out of anything. Like people, people often come out of a meditation and be like, Oh, that was a terrible meditation. My mind was all over the place, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, those are the best meditations because you sat through it. You didn't get up or like you fought through it, that's what's going to teach you the most. If you're just sitting there and it's comfortable and you're like, Ooh, this is great. And, and it's, it's easy. Well, you're not, what, what are you learning? What are you experiencing beyond that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's about being willing to be curious and learn from our own discomfort. Mm-hmm. You know, and and those things that make us uncomfortable. And I think thinking about that and sitting through a meditation and that physical or or emotional discomfort of just being bored, but also extending that to um, discomfort that we experience with, um, you know, relationships 
in our life that, that there's some sort of discomfort with or, or even just that feeling of discomfort that we get when we see someone have or do something that maybe we want to be doing or maybe we have some kind of interest in. I think sometimes just those feelings of like that little pull of, of jealousy or envy oftentimes is a teacher for us. And if we can kind of get curious about that um, and all of those things and all of the the discomfort, whether it be physical or emotional or mental that we experience, I think that that's really when we, when we really grow. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it too is about um, developing uh, a habit um, for being mindful when you're in uncomfortable situations and moving past it because I I mean I don't in my in my experience it's not like one day you're just now comfortable being uncomfortable it's yeah. still a constant <laughs> constant struggle and the, the stronger habits you have to push you beyond that um the the better you're gonna be like I try um I've had, I've been doing this for a year where I like to do it daily, but I make sure, I mean, it's a little hard to do it daily, but I make sure I do it once a week where I try to push myself beyond my physical limits, my mental limits and my emotional limits once a week. So I actually do plan things in my life to make sure that, that it, it happens. And now I'm, I mean, I still get nervous and I still have to talk myself through things, but I don't have the initial, I get much farther. Sometimes I, I get scared and I, I don't, I don't do something, but I've gotten to a much farther stage than I would have 10 years ago. Yes. Yeah. So you've been practicing and, and so it, it recognizing that it does, that it's a practice and that you will habituate to approaching things in that way and to pushing yourself in that way. And like you said, it's not every single time that you, that it's easier, but that you can see that there's this, that you've grown and, and been able to approach these things um, more actively. And also, you know, just, just, yeah, just kind of that practice of, of habituation, we call it, um, you know, in psych classes, like the habituation model of anxiety, that if you continually, mm-hmm approach something that, you know, your, your fears, your, your, your sense of it, that discomfort that you feel will go down over time. It depends on how fast it will go down, you know, how big that thing is or how often you do it. So it doesn't mean that you do something one time and we're going to, you know, immediately feel, you know, better, but just recognizing that that practice of, of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone regularly, that that skill builds on itself. That's really cool. Yeah. And and again, I think the most important part is to um, be self-aware enough to see the difference between pain or damage and discomfort. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Mm -hmm. if if you're not emotionally stable, if you're not physically stable, if you're not um, intellectually stable, it's it I wouldn't recommend pushing yourself past your limits, but it's also a conversation of what is what is your limit, um, right. and where what where is that line between discomfort and pain or or damage? Because that's going to be different for each person. Someone who's um, struggling emotionally um, 
yes, can still push themselves and that's going to help them. But there's going to be a line um, where it's going to move into potential damaging or something they can't cope with. Um, And that's, again, about finding the balance and just being self-aware and having Mm -hmm. the network. If you're not self-aware, like the teachers are invaluable when it comes to mindfulness and just anything really. Um, And if you don't have the capacity to be mindful yourself at where you're at, um, find someone to to help you. There's people who can help you. And that's, I mean, and that's, you can go to a mindfulness teacher and learn meditation. You can go to um, a psychologist. You can go to a therapist. There's so many ways to do it. And our society yeah. has, has grown a lot in, in mindfulness. So even if you are seeing a therapist, so many of them now have mindfulness training and have all these kind of alternative um, practices that all work together to help. Yeah. yeah. I, I like that you, that you speak on that. I think that's really important is recognizing that everybody has a different capacity for what they can handle at a certain time as far as emotional, physical, mental stress. And I think it's important if you don't know where your line is, because I think we all have our line, you know, and and just depending on what's going on in your life, that line is going to be at a, you know, that boundary is going to be closer or further. Um, You're going to be able to take more. But I think if you don't know your own level recognizing that it's important to have people in your life that do and can kind of help you and support you through that process. So whether it be, like you said, finding a teacher, finding a therapist, a psychologist, um, you know, um, clergy, pastor, you know, someone that can kind of connect with you to help you somewhere where you feel safe, um, sharing what you're going through and sharing, you know, what, what you're, what you're trying to do, what some of your intentions are and kind of what you're working on and, and, and helping find resources through them to kind of move forward. Because I think that I really truly believe that it's all of our personal responsibility to push ourselves, you know, for whatever that, whatever that looks like, um, in the interest of, you know, the greater good of ourselves, of, of the world to push ourselves out of our own comfort zone in order to kind of heal ourselves and also to, to contribute in some way. And so I think that even, you know, for whatever someone's circumstances are that, that there is a way that that person can start to do some work to, to create some sort of meaningful change in their life. And I think that what happens, what I see with people, um, when they do take a conscious effort and do make a conscious decision to create some meaningful change in their life, um, it builds on, on other things and it builds on that confidence and it builds on your energy rather than taking away from it. I think that there's a lot of things that we do and put our energy towards that really pull, um, from our energy stores and don't really replenish. But I've noticed that, um, when people do things that create positive change in their life, that they really start to feel more energy and and it, it expands into other areas. And so it can be a really rewarding process. Yeah. And it's, it's the positive change that, is the the important part of it um and that's where you want to 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 focus on and it's i mean mindfulness is really just it's just a concept 
and it's a it's a it's a journey people go on and the, the paths are there's unlimited numbers of paths to be on that that journey um so you just you have to find the one that's right for you for where you're at and a lot of times they intersect and you can join someone else on their path and jump off and join someone else and then be on your own for a while but it's about um being willing to go on that journey and self-reflect enough to know when it's time to take a turn or, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think just, just one last thing that I think is important is, you know, meeting yourself where you're at. I think another kind of thing that can get in the way is, is anxiety around feeling like, well, I need to have this, these certain things, or I have to, gather this stuff or I have to go to this place or, you know, or whatever it is, but recognizing that there's something you can do to work on cultivating that, that change, um, that desire, positive change in your life, right where you're at without anything, without buying anything, without, you know, spending any money or doing anything. And I think that's important to be mindful of as well. Cause I think we're in a, we're conditioned to want so much, you know, and to kind of just, 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 just want and just feel like we constantly don't have enough and we need to inquire that, acquire that next thing to be able to do things. And I think realizing, no, you already have what you need in order to create some sort of positive shift in your life just with right where you're at. Yeah. Now I, I want to do a segment on minimalism because I'm a minimalist. I don't know if you knew that about me, but I'm like... <laughs> helpful because I am the opposite of a minimalist. I think opposite might be horror. I'm not like extreme. I, I have a lot of stuff. <laughs> minimalism would be a great topic. I know nothing about it. <laughs> Yay! That'll be that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, one last thing I wanted to do before we wrapped up is I wanted to kind of pose a question to our audience and just ask you guys, what is one thing, if you could share with us in the comment section, um, what's one thing that you can do, one action you can take that would take five to 10 minutes right now with where you're at that could create some sort of positive shift in your life? I love that. All right. Yes, and you can join us um, and do that on YouTube or on Twitter or on Facebook, and that's at CivilDTV. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Thank you.